Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. In my continuing quest to bring you blues from around the world, we now travel over to New Orleans, where I'm joined by Eric Johansson. Eric, are you well? Yeah, doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Not a problem, not a problem. And uh, I was just saying just prior to the interview that we're suffering a bit of a heat wave here in the UK, but it's still not as hot as New Orleans. The last time I was there, which was well, three years ago now, I showered in the morning, stepped outside the hotel, and within seconds I was hot and sweaty. How do you cope with it? Uh, air conditioning, you know. <laughs> I icy drinks yeah (laughs) it's pretty much you know we cope with it you know it's uh i don't think you ever really get used to the summer heat here you just find ways of uh you know dealing with it (laughs) yeah when my friend and i went into a shop and the woman behind the counter said you ain't from around here is you because we were just so hot (laughs) um yeah but anywho, I'm, I'm not here to reminisce about New Orleans, although in some ways I will do, because you are based in New Orleans. How long have you lived there? It's not all your life, is it? No, um, let's see. I've been here for, um, I guess, about the better part of, like, 22 years. Uh, I, I came down in 1999. Um, but, I mean, I grew up about three hours away from here, still in Louisiana. And, um, you know, and I was traveling down here, you know, to visit family, and and I even started playing some gigs down in New Orleans um, when I was a teenager before I I moved down here. Uh, so, you know, it it's it's really home, and I you know it's it's uh, it's always felt like home. In your downtime, do you venture over to the French Quarter, or do you not go there much? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I do. Uh, the French Quarter has its own like vibe. Um, it has its own little you know, communities there and, and stuff. And, and, um, it's, it's cool to go down there and, uh, you know, I'll go down there and just have coffee or, you know, when it's not incredibly hot, just to walk around. Um, because, you know, it's, I don't really go down Bourbon street. That, <laughs> that's pretty much <laughs> a tourist attraction, but, uh, but no, I mean, there's a lot of cool spots in the quarter and it's, it's, it's such a unique place that, yeah, definitely still go down there. And it is a real melting pot of musical styles, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, across the city, um, you know, there's there's a lot of music across the city, um, usually all the time, and um, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of brass band type of influence here. You know, that um, the, you got your jazz bands and and brass bands, which are more like the second line beats and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of horn-based music, um, and then of course uh, jazz and rock and roll and and things that. But they they all tend to have and funk. Funk is a huge thing here, you know. Um, but they all tend to have you know an improvisational element and to be sort of spontaneous, which I think is is one of the the key elements of, of music here in New Orleans. One of the things that I found in the research for you is that you're regarded as combining influences from an array of genres. So obviously that must be something you picked up from the city. 
Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I mean, I, you know, will hear brass bands and funk bands and I've played with brass bands and funk bands um, and even Zydeco um, music. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've played with musicians in all these different contexts. But then, of course, growing up, like anybody, I was influenced by rock records that were big at the time or, or things I discovered through, you know, I, I, when I was, uh, you know, first starting to play the guitar, I was also really into, like, Metallica and stuff. And then I would go find out who they were listening to, and then that would lead me to Hendrix and Black Sabbath and, you know, like, all these different things that would lead in these different directions, too. So, you know, partially being, like, influenced by the music of where I grew up, but also the music that pretty much everybody was influenced by, like, you know, as well. So that, so that stuff mixes in there too. So did you grow up in a musical household or was it a case of listening to the radio under the pillows? Yeah, no, it was definitely a musical household. I mean, my, um, my mom, uh, you know, she, she was always into music. She had a lot of blues records and stuff. So I, I, I always kind of had that around. Um, and, you know, my grandparents on my mom's side had a music store. Um, and it was mostly centered around pianos and organs. Um, but I did actually get my first guitar through a supplier. They, they were able to order a guitar at cost or something that ended up being my first guitar. So, um, you know, so that so yeah, my even my grandparents played, and most of my aunts and uncles on my mom's side played. Um, so we would have you know family jams at Christmas time, um, and uh, you know we we still we still somewhat do that. Um, you know, when everybody's able to get together, uh, we we still do that a bit. So definitely, everyone was really into music before you went solo and performed and recorded your own material, you were performing on stage with lots of Cyril Neville, Anders Osborne, J.J. Gray, Eric Lindell. How do they come about if you're not an actual recording artist yourself? Do they see you busking on the streets and think, I want to use that guy? Um, not so much busking on the streets, but, like, I, I just, as a guitar player, you know, would play with different bands... Um, and I did actually record music before I released it on my own name. I had other projects and they just don't really, uh, you know, I had like a rock band that I was pursuing in the early 2000s and stuff. And so I had like delved into recording. I just had never really explored just my raw sort of uh, bluesy, you know, side without really overthinking the the production or the arrangements too much, just kind of going more with music from the gut. But I had, you know, I had been playing around as a guitar player in New Orleans for people while kind of working on my own stuff. And, and so a lot of these, these people that I cross paths with, you know, um, would be in that context. You know, New Orleans is a place where people don't typically just play with their one band and then and then that's that's all they know is the music of that one band it's typically a place where you know people get together for impromptu gigs where hey it's this guy from this band this guy from this band and they're all going to make something happen on stage together and so there's a lot of mixing and mingling and so really it's just kind of in that context um you know and then somebody might ask me to sit in or might ask me to play 
show with them or two shows or, or whatever. So, you know, a lot of the people that I've shared the stage with, it just kind of happens organically, you know, just from, you know, you hanging out and, and they dig what you're doing and then they, they want you to come play with them. And eventually you did record your first solo album, Burn It Down. Mm-hmm. Were, were you a bit nervous about releasing that one? Or did you think this is what I've been aiming for all this time? Uh, I was a little bit like, you know, I, I really, I wanted to make the right entry into doing this this type of thing, you know, this this style of more bluesy music and stuff. And um, I was a little bit nervous about it because we, you know, we recorded it very uh, unprepared and kind of live, which, you know, I went to the studio with some kind of half song ideas thinking, well, you know, we'll sit around and we'll talk about what we want to record and how we want to do it. And we'll, we'll work on these songs and then we'll start recording. And instead, um, Tab Benoit, who produced that album, he, he just was like, well, let's just press record. Let's just start going. And I was thinking, well, I don't, you know, all I have is some lyrics scratched down for some of these and like a basic, you know, like, I don't really even know where we're going to go with it. And, um, we just kind of came up with some of it on the spot, like as we're recording and then some of those takes ended up being the takes that are on the record. So in, it ended up being something where I was surprised. I was like, okay, well that that kind of that's that kind of came out cool. But um, but it was certainly a little bit like you know I typically would want to think things out a bit more, and that was a lot more off the cuff. But I think that there's a there's a you know beauty in that too, and there's there's good stuff that comes out of that you're not overthinking it and you're, you don't have a chance to i was gonna say sometimes if you do that if you p- just press record and just ignore that side of it ignore the red light that's when the magic happens but sometimes you rehearse yeah. it and you get this piece and then when you come to record it you can't replicate that right right and yeah and, and there's something about um you know being in the studio that I think uh, sometimes when the band doesn't know the song like the back of their hand, um, it's not possible to just go through the motions because you're really having to think about, wait a minute, like where's, you know, let me listen to what he's doing and let me listen to what he's doing. And so that, that kind of gives you an energy on the recording that keeps it fresh, I think. Well, we'll come back to recording later because I saw the YouTube video of you giving a bit of an insight into the covered albums that you've released. Well, we'll come back to that, but mm-hmm. in 2019, you released a, a record with your long-lost first cousin, Tiffany Pollock. How did that one come about? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Tiffany and I first met, I think, uh, back in... 2009 and you know for people that don't know the story and she's my first cousin and she was um given up for adoption by my aunt who was you know young and going through a rough time at that at that time and and then we didn't really know um where she was or anything about her and we discovered through some some i think my one of my uncles did some searching um and found that she was like singing blues and jazz in new orleans which was crazy because she fit right in with our family and she didn't so much fit in with her adoptive family in terms of they weren't musical at all so it was very much uh you know a uh the the genetic or or biological component must have been pretty strong there to 
to you know to have a interest in music but um so you know we connected uh back around that time around 2009 and you know we jammed and, and we hung out and stuff obviously over the years and and talked about recording something and it just never happened um and then uh eventually you know we see those conversations came about again with the label called nola blue and they were said, well, you know, we'd like to put that out. Why don't you guys go in the studio and do that? And, you know, because they were willing to um, put us in the studio and, and sort of make it happen, it, it, we finally pulled the trigger on that and, and, and went in and, and made that Blues In My Blood record, uh, which, uh, so it was, it was cool, you know, and it was, it was a good experience to be able to capture that, um, on a recording and some of her songs, some of my songs, we did a few covers in our own way. And, um, so yeah, that, that was, that was a, that was a, a very meaningful experience. Well, I was going to say when you discovered these similarities and uh, that connection that you had, is that what inspired the title blues in my blood? Cause you both had blues in your blood. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and partially, you know, the, the title is, is, uh, it's also one of the songs on the record, and that song in particular goes into her discovering her sort of her some of her journey in life and discovering where she came from. And um, so, yeah, totally. That's that's you're absolutely spot on with that. Yeah, right. And still in uh, 2019 at the Jazz Fest, you perform with Luther Dickinson and the All Star Jam, and that led to the recording of your next album, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, it was one of these things where, you know, the, these jams where there's all these people that uh, are playing on stage together, and it was, a, it was a Jimi Hendrix tribute thing. And, you know, we started talking afterward, and I, I had been a fan of North Mississippi All-Stars already, and I think I may have met him in passing once before that, but that was the first time that we really kind of started talking and, and um, getting to know each other and stuff. And... You know, he suggested, he's like, man, you got to come record. You know, we've got a place out in the country in Mississippi. You know, it's my family's place. you got to come record there. And so I just, you know, I thought, well, that's, that sounds perfect, you know, because I don't really like going into a studio where the clock is ticking and you, you're thinking it's such and such per hour or something like that. You know, I, I like the idea of, you know, being somewhere out isolated and, you know, just you're kind of living and breathing there for the whole time. So it sounded perfect. And, and obviously I, I loved his sensibility with blues music because, you know, and I don't think he would necessarily say that he's traditional blues or anything like that. I mean, he's one of the, you know, a, a lot of us don't like to try to box ourselves in at all, but, but there's definitely bluesy elements to what they do, but it, they find a way to, keep it fresh while also carrying on elements of the tradition and stuff. And so I thought he, you know, he was like the perfect one to kind of, um, help me, you know, discover the right vibe in the studio and stuff. So we started talking about, um, you know, when, when our calendars would align and I started kicking him over some songs and stuff. And then we finally got together in the studio in February, late February, 2020, just after Mardi Gras. Yeah, we, we you know, we basically recorded the the whole Below Sea Level album in 
three days, but it was three long days. I mean, we weren't, we didn't go to any restaurants or anything. <laughs> we were just like, you know, sitting there making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and out in this barn studio yeah. in the country in Mississippi. And, um, you know, so we, you know, just recording all day and taking live takes and, and stuff. And it, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And it, it was really fortunate that we recorded it when we did because it wasn't like seven to ten days later that like a lot of things started shutting down yeah i was, um, I was gonna and, say that must have been so frustrating because you'd gone in there and recorded this superb album and then literally within a week or two lockdown happens and you can't go out and promote it you can't gig that must have been so frustrating for you well, I think at first it wasn't clear, at least to me or probably a lot of us, like how long it would go on. So, you know, when when you have the tracks from the recording session, you know, there's still other stuff to be done. It still has to be mixed. It still has to be mastered. You know, you got to you got to have some time to lead up with the promotion and getting the CDs and the vinyl made and everything. So you have a bit of time there anyway, where the record is still you know, on its way out, you know. Um, so I, for a little while, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, this is, this is all right because, you know, just get get the mixing done, get get all this, and then by the time it comes out, you know, surely things will be back up and running. And, of course, they weren't. <laughs> mm. But, um, you know, so it, it, as the, that time was going on and we we're, you know, finishing up the mixing and the mastering and all that and, and looking at when, you know, the release was approaching, we realized that, um, okay, there really aren't going to be any shows going on when this comes out. And do we want to release it or not? And, and, you know, we sort of made the decision that it was still good to release it because um, at least, you know, I mean, everybody was sitting at home and, and you know, it seemed to me that it was better to put out new music and have people have something to listen to and keep moving forward in whatever way you can, rather than um, just waiting on something. Cause I always feel like, you know, you, when you make something, you want it to come out while it's fresh, you know? Yeah. From that, you started doing YouTube and Facebook appearances, which were so well received that you then went on to do the covers CDs. How yeah. how did you go about choosing the songs for that, or were they just favorites that you'd always wanted to do? Um, you know, it's kind of a blend of songs that meant something to me, uh, or you know, bands that that I that had something to do with my influences that I wanted to throw in there, and um, and also a mixture of uh, you know, I took some requests from people uh, and you know, sometimes more than one person unbeknownst to them because they were just sending me this request, you know, it wasn't like a public forum about it or anything, but some people, there was multiple people requesting the same song in some cases. And so, you know, that factored in as well. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the, the live streaming thing is, it's kind of been an interesting, um, journey because I really at first was sort of resistant for the first few weeks when, you know, it seemed like everybody just immediately was like, okay, so we'll go on live stream. And, you know, I had this kind of rock and roll blues album that, 
I was on the way to releasing, you know, and it was an electric band album. And so I wanted to pre- present the stuff in that way. And so it kind of was counterintuitive to me to hop on the computer with an acoustic guitar. But of course, you know, I tried it once, tried it, you know, again, and a fair amount of people showed up and seemed to enjoy it. And, and then it's like, well, you know, the, the lockdowns and everything kept going on. So I kept doing it every week. And then, you know, people were like, you know, I'd love to hear something like this. I really like hearing the stripped down acoustic thing. And uh, so that kind of spawned the idea. And I thought it was also, you know, it was a way to stay connected with the audience, to put out more stuff um, and, you know, make use of the time at home. Yeah, so I kind of picked between, there are some songs that, you know, I had a personal connection with. And then there's also, um, you know, stuff that came in as requests from from the audience. Well, my little uh, slide guitar has been sat in its case for a good couple of years now, gathering dust. And I've been saying for ages, I'm going to get it out. I'm going to have a go. And it was watching your YouTube clip about how you recorded the covers. And thought, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to get it out. I'm going to have a go. Unfortunately, in the intervening <laughs> period, I put on a bit of weight. So I've got to adopt a different playing style now. Uh, but you have inspired me <laughs> to get the guitar out, which is brilliant. Um, but awesome. On that video, you've got a, a loop pedal. that you, you play a bit and then that loops and then you play a bit over the top of that. that that's just yeah. a wonderful invention, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, partially it was just, I I typically have wanted to make band-oriented music where, you know, I'm not, I'm not holding down every part of the music at the same time. You know, the bass and drums might be doing one thing and I might be doing a counterpart to that or playing a lead over that or whatever. So for me to just play acoustic guitar after a while i was just like you know i want to kind of play off of something so the looper pedal you know i started bringing it in on the streams because it just would allow me to lay down a little rhythm thing and then play something else off of that or play something play a little lead melody or something and you know it just kept it interesting for me honestly and 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 allowed me to do a little scratching on the guitar string to make like a percussive type of sound to play with because you know i i'm not really uh you know into trying to play drums with my feet too much i actually have recently started doing a little bit of a a bass drum stomp with with one foot but that's just so it's so new to me you know i i just have always liked playing with other musicians that um you know so the so the looper pedal is is was just a way of like me kind of having a little fun with it and making it more enjoyable for me um, to to play by myself rather than just, you know, just literally just the one guitar. Yeah, I mean, it, it does work superbly. And that video that you do, once you've recorded something, you show how you do the mixing and everything. It's just an eye-opener. It's uh, educational as well. Did someone suggest oh, cool. you do that? Or is it just something you thought, well... Yeah, this I'll show people how I've done this recording. Uh, I had a couple people ask about it. You know, um, this there's uh, it's, it's kind of tricky sometimes to 
if you if you're not used to making like YouTube videos like that, like to figure out well how shoot how do I capture the screen and how do I show people what I'm doing and you know have a camera on my feet and also so I had to like you know figure that out first, but uh, but yeah, I mean I I definitely you know I had some people ask about how it came about and and I thought that um, it would it it the the songs are really pretty stripped down. And I thought that it would be cool to show people, you know, what the sound that they were hearing really, you know, consisted of. Um, because I, I was kind of happy and pleasantly surprised with how I ended up coming out. The, the way I ended up coming up with to do it, it kept like an organic feel to the rhythms because I wasn't using a metronome or anything on any of them i wasn't using a click track or anything on any of them so the rhythms are derived from me just scratching on the guitar strings and looping it and everything is built off of that and so i just i found that really uh it was kind of an eye-opener for me because i have in the past you know tried to make demos and stuff by myself on the computer and you know and you start you try to figure out what tempo it is and you start with the metronome going and it just, it just sucks the life out of it a lot of the time. And you mm. can't figure out what, <laughs> what's wrong with it, but it's just, it's, there's something about just going with, uh, the natural tempo and rhythm that seems to be coming out of your body that day. Yeah. And then going from that point. The obvious question, and you've probably been asked this a thousand times already, is there going to be a volume three? Uh, you know, I, I don't know right now. I mean, maybe down the road, uh, you know, I, I think there's a balance of, um, I think these were really awesome to do and I'm glad that they were well received, but it, of course I am uh, first and foremost an original artist. And so I think, um, that I definitely want to release some more original music before I would get back to recording covers um and more electric music <laughs> electric yeah. guitar based music because you know i really um you know if you do something long enough then people will you know assume that that's pretty much what you do and so i kind of want to i like having that that outlet now and i'm doing a couple of acoustic shows uh around new orleans now and that's really new for me you know because it really is just not something i ever looked to do before and and that's all come out of the pandemic and spending more time with the acoustic guitar uh and it's definitely cool but i definitely you know um want to get back to making some some more cranked up electric music too <laughs> <laughs> so what are the plans now that restrictions are lifting are you going to promote the album that you released just before the pandemic or are you going to be doing new material? You know, I'm starting to work on some new material now. Um, and I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that with getting out there live again, which hopefully will continue to come back, um, I'm hoping that it will kind of turn on some new people to the stuff that I've already released that maybe I didn't get a chance to promote properly, but, um, but I definitely, you know, want to be going back in the studio. Um, 
hopefully by the end of the year uh, for pro- probably for an early next year release is, is kind of my idea. But um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's a mix of both because um, this, you know, this style of music and the, this, this, the rootsy music crowd and stuff, it's not, it doesn't really live and die by radio singles or top 40 or anything like that. So it's like a little bit more of a slow growth thing where, you know, uh, people, it's word of mouth and people hear about somebody from a friend or they find, they come across a YouTube video or a song on Spotify or whatever, and then they discover that person's stuff. And uh, so I think the music can, it can have like a longer lifespan a little bit, which is a good thing. Um so I, you know, hopefully, you know, a little bit of both, putting out new music, but also having people discover some of the stuff that's already out. So, are you actually penciling in dates in your diary now, or is it still too soon for that? Uh, no, I definitely, I am. You know, I've got some some road dates uh, coming up here in August, and you know, they're they're scattered around. <laughs> you know, there there's not there's not like uh, any solid multi-week runs that I've got lined up yet, but, um, you know, hopefully we'll be working on some more of that before the end of the year. And, um, really hoping that I can get, um, overseas, you know, and, and I mean, it would be great to come to the UK. I've actually never been, uh, crazy enough, but, um, you know, it, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of that travel continues to become, uh, more accessible because that's that's something that's really been on you know my list of want things I want to do. Yeah. Um, Likewise, I was looking forward to coming over to America last year when it all closed down. So uh, I want to get back over there yeah. again sometime. So all the best for the future and thank you so so much for doing this. And uh, hopefully we will get to see you over here in the UK sometime. Yeah, I hope so, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I really, I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always listen again. I'll see you next time. Take care.